You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Hey, Denver, Chris Lopez here. I got a great guest in the studio today. He started lending in 2003. So he's going to come to the studio today and talk about how he has house hacked his way to multiple properties and also why he made a recent change in his lending practice due to the high interest rate environment. So lots of fun stuff to talk about for like long-term successful wealth building principles, long-term just success in general. This guy is a just a pearl of wisdom. But also we're gonna talk some current event stuff about changes on why agency debt, Fannie and Freddie, may not be the best way to go in the near future and why a lot more lenders are getting into the game, which creates new opportunities. So I have Joe Sealander here, who was recently with Megastar, but is now with Edge Home Financial, making a change to give better products to your clients. So Joe, glad to be in the studio, my man. Thank you. It's good to be here. So we met a few months ago. I think a lot of our listeners know Terrence Doyle, and you guys mm-hmm. go way back, and then Terrence and I are buddies, and then we were having a lunch two or three months ago, and then Terrence like, hey, you got to talk to Joe Sealander, amazing lender, amazing investor, a guy you got connected with. So we got connected, and now we're having uh, tequila and coffee in the podcast studio, and we're going to unpack your story. So I want to talk a little bit about your kind of background first and what you did as an investor, because that's given you such great, uh, like real world experience to go out there and help your clients invest and achieve financial freedom as well. So Joe, uh, you got started lending in 2003. Just start there and tell us uh, where you've been and where you're going. Okay. Yeah, so I graduated from college in 99. I was a accounting economics major. I was a staunch libertarian. I was going to save the world from taxes, you know, this evil thing that the government steals money from us. And, you know, I was passionate and here we go. And I did about three, four years of accounting. I was actually with Arthur Anderson. I got in and out of there before they got shut down with the whole Enron scandal. And within three years, I just knew this was not where I needed to be. I hated billable hours. Uh, I hated that I couldn't use my personality. I wasn't selling anything, and I don't think I was really helping anybody out. You're just behind the scenes. I'm just doing paperwork. Bent over a desk. Yep, doing billable hours. And let's be real honest. And uh, and so anyway, I had a buddy. His name is Sean Mercer. God bless him. Uh, knew him uh, from church. He had gone out with me, socialized with me, played golf with me. And he just basically kind of put his arm around me and said, you are in the wrong business. You need to come sell loans for me. And I was like, well, maybe that's what I need to do. And, uh, it, it, it just took off from there. It just was blessed from there. And, um, I started with leads. Um, you know, back then you could pretty much just have a business card saying you were a loan officer. And that meant that you were a loan officer. There was no licensing. Everybody was doing it. And, um, it just took off from there. Um, what was really cool too, though, is it didn't take me very long to realize, Hey, wait a minute, I could be a customer here. What do you mean? I can state my income. I can state my assets. I can have anything, you know, I can, I could fog a mirror and you're going to give me a home. And it, it kind of began from there. I started buying homes and made it a goal to try to buy a home at least once a year, got in the landlord game. Got and you were doing like game. the house hacking, like you're buying, living it, moving yep. out. Turn yep. to rental, right? Exactly. I was declaring the next home as, as the primary residence, which always gets you the best rates, the best closing costs, the best MI, the least down payment, uh, all the bells and whistles that you could get. Well, I was 
nomadic at the time. I was young. I was able to do that. I always had roommates. Um, I was always living in the master bedroom for free, usually paid to do it. And then I would move on to the next one and on and on and on. And you're doing that here in uh, Denver, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I got, um, where's your first house at? It was actually in the Denver tech center. It was a condo. And, uh, that's kind of where I was building my career. And I had a roommate who was actually paying more than the mortgage and the HOA fee for the other room. So that when? was great. Yep. And then, uh, from there I went on to golden, uh, where I had a big five bedroom home and I had, you know, four roommates at one time that were keeping me in my master bedroom <laughs> safe and sound and paid for. And, uh, then I started buying homes in Sloan's Lake. That was 2008. So I got into some homes, uh, during the crisis, which was great. Um, moved up to kind of the Wheat Ridge area. Um, and then, uh, some places in Longmont, some places in Thornton. And then we live now in the ranch country club area, which is 120th and Tejon. Yep. And so I've got, I've had a couple homes in the ranch as well. So, and most of these been house hacks or kind of house hack and just landlord rentals. I would say most of them were, were house hacking to start where I would declare primary, let, let my roommates pay everything. Um, but then when I kind of started settling down, you know, I got married in, uh, seven. So, you know, that was kind of where some of that stuff has to come to a stop. And then at that point I was just buying rental properties, you know, doing the classic 20% down being a true landlord and not getting the best rates, best closing costs, that sort of thing, but doing long-term rentals and just kind of waiting until the market really jumped in that area. So, so, I mean, you've got 20 years now of great investing experience and also lending experience. And I know the landscape has changed a couple of times since then. I mean, you were uh, in the 2000, you know, pre 2000, pre 2008 days, went through that boom and bust. Mm-hmm. You've been in here the last 10 years as you, you know, rode the wave up. And then we had COVID, the high interest rate environment. So like, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people that have been like doing the same thing for a while now. If you go back 20 years ago and talk to younger Joe, what advice would you give yourself to either like, hey, do more of this or, you know, hey, stay focused and have faith over here or, hey, go back and change this. Like, you know, a lot more now. You have wisdom, you have best practices. What would you go back and tell your younger self and all our listeners out here as well. Just, just to have done more of what I did. And I mean, that's, that's the sad part as you go back and, and you, you look at young Joe and that, that Joe would have had some trepidation about buying these homes and getting involved and being a landlord and what happens. And I mean, I had horrible anecdotes of some renters. I had wonderful anecdotes of some renters, but it's scary. Give us Uh, your worst. Oh, the worst. Oh God. Um, if it's, if it's safe for podcasts, it's, 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 it's fairly safe for podcasts, but I had a, I had a kid that he started out as kind of like Mr. You know, like, Hey, I'm not going to lie. I like to smoke pot. I'm kind of hippie-ish. It's kind of fun. He'd pay me in cash. I was like, okay, it turned into some pretty bad drugs that he got into. We won't necessarily say, but it was intravenous and he was like kind of out of control. Well, then what got really scary is his dad, uh, was kind of like a hell's angel dude. And basically threatened me physically. Um, you know, it, he he basically told me if you keep trying to collect rent from my son, you're going to have a problem. Um, so what I did, it was kind of brilliant, is I had an in with his roommate, and his roommate would complain to me and be like, "This guy's out of control, and he does these kind of drugs, and this, that, and the other." And his dad's out of control. His, his dad has threatened me too. And I said, "Okay, well, the next time that you feel threatened, call me right away, and we'll do a protective order." 
And so he did. He was like, I just got threatened this morning. And I go, I'll be right there. We're going to go right down to, to Denver police and we're going to file a protective order. Well, they went to go arrest the kid that was causing me all the problem. Wouldn't pay rent and physically just telling me there's nothing you're going to do about it. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. Otherwise, my dad's going to do something. So the, the, the police always take you away when there is a protective order for at least that two weeks. Well, of course, he tried to fight the police. And that was it. He got arrested. He was in jail. It was all done. But it was it was a fiasco uh, getting him out of there and getting someone new in. And he had been growing and doing God knows what. But it ended up being a happy story. But um, I got like the best renter after that. Um, so the he, pendulum uh, swung, swung back and karma, yeah. karma oh, yeah. repays you? The best, yeah. I mean, it was like one of these renters who like had a garden in the back and like made it his own home. and A different type of garden? Yeah, a different kind of garden <laughs> with actual vegetables. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I'd go back to scared Joe, you know, and I'd be like, don't be scared. I mean, the more you get, the better it's going to be. I wish I had bought 10 homes in Sloan's Lake instead of two because they all yeah. were 3X when I sold them. You know, I wouldn't even probably work be working or on this podcast if I had bought 10 homes. You know, I mean, that's 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 what I would tell tell the the young me for sure and that's always like i mean i always uh, i'm not surprised by that advice but that's usually what it goes back to is like hey i wish i just hey this was working i wish i did more of it i wish i leaned more into it like i wish i didn't listen to fear in my head or you know this naysayer in my life so that's that's really you know great to hear because you know right now we have a lot of listeners and viewers out there where this is choppy times especially for like newer and younger investors it is a, a a more scary time as well. So like right now, I mean, I'm, I'm a, we're both like, you know, long-term, you know, macro type people. If you're like advising one of your clients and you do a lot of work with a lot of house hackers, do a lot of investment loans, what are you telling your clients right now? Just like stay the course? Absolutely. I, I think what I tell my clients right now is now is another opportunity. You know, it may not be as good of an opportunity as it was, say, uh, in November, October of last year, where no one was buying, and oh, if you made that was a nice offer, window. it really was. And I think you know it's it's hard because you're you know you're you're doing the numbers with your client at seven and a half percent, and they keep looking at you like, what are you trying to get me into here? I mean, I'm I'm spending five thousand dollars a month on a five hundred thousand dollar home, you know, with the MI and the taxes and the insurance and the seven and a half percent rate or whatever that looks like. And it is scary, but I think, you know, what I try to tell them is, is like, look, this is a stock that never goes to zero. This is a stock that mm. will never have embezzlement. This is a stock that is not going to just file bankruptcy like Bed Bath & Beyond did. And all the investors had no idea that they were even struggling. Let's be real honest, right? This is a stock that you can control. You can fix it up. You can house hack it. You can Airbnb it. You can put furniture in there and VRBO it. You could live in it if you need to while you fix it up, but the stock's never going to go to zero. You will always be able to sell that home uh, 99% of the time for more money than you bought it if you can just hang on to that damn thing for five years. Let's see. Oh, I love that analogy. That's such yeah. a powerful analogy here. Uh, I mean, that's a great reminder for people. So let's, let's, I'm going to uh, talk about this for a second because as we, uh, you know, before we hit record this podcast, you and I kind of start talking about all sorts of opportunities that are popping up uh, because of the higher interest rate increase. Yeah. And that's what always happens. Like, you know, hey, change, change is change, good or bad, but change brings opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. And you've got clients like, hey, seven and a half percent interest rate here is the plan for them to say, hey, you control this, do this. And when they, when the time makes sense, 
come back and refinance it or sell it? Like what's kind of the high level game plan you're talking to your clients right now about? Absolutely. Get in while the prices are low and then refinance. And you got two things working for you at that point, right? Not only have the rates come down, but now the sheep are coming out. The sheep are like, oh, wow, rates are down at four and a quarter. Now we'll buy. Now we'll go into a bidding war with 600 other people who are doing appraisal gaps and giving their firstborn son to offer the home. What a great time to be buying. But now you're on the other side of it. You could be selling if you wanted to or refinancing. So you may score right there. You may score just on the rate going down and being like, yeah, we'll sell. And I just made $80,000. Yeah. Were you really suffering with that $5,000 payment now that you only had to pay maybe seven payments of? So that's kind of the way that I really look at it is just like, this is your opportunity. You want to buy when no one's buying. You don't want to buy when everyone's buying. So there's a lot of opportunity. And, and I think I have good clients like that where, where they can be educated as painful as it is. Yeah. You know, it's a hard sell right now. Uh, I mean, that's, that's really great advice. I think it's a very important thing for people to realize is, Hey, take a step back. Look at the, look at the big picture, look at the macroeconomics and always like, Hey, go back to people. Hey, you've been through a couple market changes in the past. And while it's a roller coaster, you stick to the fundamentals, um, and you play smart, you usually win the long run. Like I said, 99% of the time it works in your favor. So today I want to shift with you, uh, Joe is talking about, uh, really like what you're doing as a loan officer here. Because one of the things I've been like so intrigued about this last year is interest rates have just, you know, spiked up or the last couple of years, it was always no brainer. Hey, just go agency debt, uh, get a, a cheap 30 year fixed debt. Like that was a play. Yeah. But when the rates go up a lot, different types of programs and opportunities come up. And I didn't even know this until an hour ago, but you were saying, hey, uh, you actually recently left Megastar. Uh, I know they're they're a great lender and you switch to edge home financial to go not just offer like retail products, but have a lot more investor products and go to the wholesaling world. Can you talk about what you're seeing from the macro level and talk about why you made the change and some of the, the differences in lending we're seeing right now? Yeah. And this is a tough one because honestly, there's going to be a lot of loan officers listening and I'm going to give them a secret that I'm giving to my competition, right? And so it's kind of like, do I really even want to tell them this? Um, but yeah, I left Megastar. Let's go there. So Megastar, it's a wonderful company. Anita Padilla Fitzgerald um, founded that company. She runs that company. She's an absolute queen. Love her to death. Uh, it was very difficult to leave my family. You know, I mean, that was 10 years that I was with that company. Um, however, it just, it became too obvious. And, you know, retail... It's just an extremely tough space to be because there's probably somewhere around 1.5 to 1.75 of the pricing that's just kind of going into the infrastructure. It's going into the, you know... The when you talk about that, when you say retail and that price, like break it down. So when you say retail, what do you mean? Retail would be like, let's say that you're buying a suit in Cherry Creek and you got four people all around you. Someone's in your inseam. Someone's giving you a free cup of coffee. It's Cherry Creek. It's so awesome. It's so sweet. You know, they're calling you Mr. Lopez. You know, and you know, the water has <laughs> the water has cucumbers, and you walk out of there with a seven eight hundred dollars suit, right? You're happy. You got you, you got made to feel well, right? I'm I'm wholesale now. I'm broker. Like I'm standing in front of like some warehouse in India or maybe Thailand or God knows where they're making the suits, and I'm selling you the same suit for one hundred and twenty dollars. I'm paid more. You get a better deal, and it's still tailored to the way that you want it. What's the difference? I have no infrastructure. We're probably meeting at Starbucks when I exchange the suit with you, right? I don't have the conference room that looks over the Rockies. 
I don't have the nine different cups of coffee to offer you when you get there. But the difference is my clients walk away from it going, I don't understand how you're pricing so good. Yeah, I'm 1.5 better per rate, like same rate, 1.5 better in cost because I no longer have infrastructure. I'm selling right to the investor. I'm at the top of the river. It's that much, that difference of a spread? That's about what it is. Okay. Yeah. And so you were, I mean, is that for a lot of just like kind of agency debt in general? Because you were, and this is something I actually, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to hold off this conversation for the podcast here because you said you went from, you know, offering what Megastar has to now wholesale, which I think 100 plus products, you said, you pretty much everything now. I'm very curious to unpack what you have now for you and just kind of like, again, how this interest rate change has created new opportunities, new lending products? Yeah, no, that's a very good question. So, you know, when you're, when you're in retail, like a megastar right now, they're going to, they're, they have been too slow to really adjust. Okay. They still think that the fish are going to keep jumping into the boat like it did in 18, 19, 20, and 21, right? You went out there as a fisherman and the fish just jumped into the boat. Those days are long over. Now you've got people that are really, really competing on price. They really will slit your throat because some other investor is an eighth better in rate. That was not the case when we were all around 2.75 or 2.875 or 2.625. Oh, let's just go with Joe. We trust him. It's fun. You know, it's a good service. Like, look at this amazing conference room. We should just go with him. Now it's like it's cutthroat, right? People want the best rate, the best options. And that's what I now have. When you're at Megastar, it's their money that's going to the table, right? So there's a massive risk issue. Like it's their money. If this doesn't work out, they've got to hold this loan on the books or it's a foreclosure to them, Yep. right? Now I'm selling 110 different investors stuff. I don't just sell retail mortgages anymore. I don't just sell agency. I'm selling commercial lending now. I can do commercial deals. I can do out-of-state deals. Um, I can get people underneath me and build an entire company with with this new broker space. So I think the only thing that really you could say four or five years ago, well, I don't know if I want to be in the broker space is because you were worried about the technology. You needed the help. You were maybe doing eight to 10, 12 deals a month. You wanted all the staff around you. You wanted this amazing technology that sometimes retail had. Unfortunately, or fortunately for me, the broker space is caught up. Like, for instance, we give most of our business to United Wholesale Mortgage, who is trying to take the entire industry. They're the number one lender in the industry. Their website alone is, like, so superior to the technology that I even had at Megastar. Mm. And Megastar invents its own technology. They, they market it. And yet, just this one website, just this one investor, what I can do on their website, I can upload uh, the file right to them. I can pull credit from there. I can price from there. And within two to three days, I can have it clear to close. Wow. So it's it, it's so refreshing. I've never been more reinvigorated in 21 years of doing this. I remember I had several times of my career where it was like, dude, this is amazing. I can't believe I'm here. I'm so blessed. Look what's going on. This is one of those moments again. Oh, that's exciting to hear. Yeah. it's. I mean, I can't tell you how many phone calls I had at Megastar where somebody would call me and be like, I just trust you. Can you do commercial lending? No. I just trust you. Can you do HELOCs? No. I just trust you. Can you do like a bank statement loan? No. I just trust you. Can you do a fix and flip deal? No. Now I can say, yeah, dude, I've got all that. And I've got probably three different options for you. So I, I love the uh, the buffet you have now. So from like, just like a tactical standpoint, like, are there like, like new loan products? Like, hey, you're using from day one 
or, you know, essentially day one with your clients and transactions? Is there like one product, a couple products like, wow, I really need this or like my clients, the marketplace right now, this is an amazing product. Uh, like when I kind of made the shift, like a product that I'm just, yeah, because you just recently made the shift. I think in the I last, just like, made few weeks of this recording, right? Yeah, I think. Oh, there's probably several. I'll give you one example. Yeah, just spitball. I'm really curious. Let's do an example. So you've got all these people, right, that are imprisoned in their homes. Probably many of the listeners right now, they're they're imprisoned in their home. They got their 2.5 percent 30 year fixed that they got during the lockdown, and now what do we do? Right, my home's worth seven eight hundred thousand, but I'm only paying. 2700 on my mortgage. You're wanting me to leave this situation, which I'd love to do. I'm sick of this home. I can't stand it, but I love my 2.5. I'd love to move on. I'd love to make a lateral move. But you're telling me my mortgage payment's going to be $5,000 and I'm now just getting into another home that's maybe worth seven, 800,000 that I'm leaving. Yep. Okay. How do you sell that? You know? And I mean, that's, that's kind of the difficult part. Well, for one, the way that I sell it is I basically say, look, you don't have to give up that rate. Let's not give up that loan. Let's not give up that $2,700 that you're paying for like your $550,000 loan. That's amazing, right? Let's not give that up. Let's leave that home and let a renter pay that off. You're going to actually cash flow. You're probably leaving a home that's going to get $3,500 to $4,000 of rent on a $2,700 mortgage. What's the problem? The problem is, is that, yeah, you've got kind of a hard pill to swallow here on this next home. But what do you think that $700,000, $800,000 stock is going to turn into over the next three, four years? It's going to turn into a million dollars, and I'm going to refinance you within 12 to 16 payments. Okay, so now the interest level comes. Well, how do I get the down payment on the next home? I got all this equity in this home. Let's get a HELOC. I can now sell all of that. I don't have to like send you off to the HELOC rabbit hole. Then you come back to me 30 days later. I now have HELOC money. I now have down payment money. I can control the entire thing all the way through. So the fact that I can sell HELOC money right now and get people a down payment to make a lateral move, that that's a that's an example of just more stuff that I can do. That that's phenomenal. And so in that uh, that uh, that case there, person moves out, they have a low 30-year fixed interest rate, a high equity position, mm-hmm. and you're able to help them put a HELOC on that property. Right. Draw the HELOC, use it as a down payment on their yep. next step up property. So now they own two homes. They haven't come out of pocket $1, right? The HELOC paid for everything. That's the down payment, the closing costs, the prepaid items, all of that. And now you're in a situation where you've got maybe $3,500 to $4,000 of rent coming to your $2,700 mortgage payment. That's great. And you just kind of have this mortgage payment over here that you don't really love. It's probably around $4,700 to $5,000 plus the HELOC. But it's kind of like hope is coming. Redemption is coming. Yeah, you're going to eat let's call it $1,500 a month of money you don't like spending on these higher rates. Okay, 1,500 times another 12 payment, what's that? Especially if that home goes from 700 to a million because you're buying at the right time. You're not gonna look back and be like, oh, I was so sad I spent $1,500 over my budget. You're sad about that? You just made $150,000 on your home in 12, 12 payments because when rates go down to the threes and fours, who do you think is gonna come out and start buying? Everyone, the sheep, they're going to overbid. You think rates will drop that far again? I do. Um, Ooh, okay. I think, uh, this is... Yeah, I think I, I think this will be interesting. I mean, that's always like nobody knows, but what yes. you got to you got to remember is is that um, you know 
and, and I don't want to like go into like let, let's insult this administration to no end, but like let's just look at like what this current administration did, right? Uh, it came in and it just kind of shut off the pipeline. And it was like, you pretty much need to get electrical cars and gas prices are going to go crazy, right? And you had to like make this incredible adjustment. They also did that with rates, right? We were spending $90 billion a month buying our own mortgage-backed securities to artificially deflate rates. Mm-hmm. That w- We did that all during the lockdown, okay? In April, did we make a decision to go from 90 to 60? Maybe 90 to 30? No, that would be sensible. We went from 90 to zero. So what do you think rates did? If you don't think that this administration is going to go back to buying their own mortgage-backed securities, right? And and I'm not trying to say like you love them or like them. It's not a big deal. I'm just saying that this administration is going to try to get reelected. That's what every administration does. That's what every does. politician does. Yeah. yeah I'm that's... not being insulting by saying that. No. I'm not trying to get political because I hate talking politics. You know, I'd love to not talk about it if I don't have to. But this administration is going to try to get reelected, whether it's actually Joe Biden or whether it's somebody else. And they're going to have to artificially deflate rates. That's a very easy thing to do. Just start buying your own mortgage-backed securities a little bit. So I see that happening in election year. I definitely, I, I think rates will get down into like probably the high fours. Yep. Probably the low fives at the worst circa March of next year. Okay. When, when, when we start seeing all the little political campaigns and commercials that we all just get so annoyed with, you're also going to start seeing us buying our mortgage-backed securities again. So maybe that's the silver lining with all the political ads and political mail is look for the rates to drop. I look for the rates to drop. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, it's just I, a theory. It's just a theory. No, but but yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, I, I I agree with the macro. I mean, especially you look you look at that. You also just look at you know recessions and interest in the past. A lot of times they typically drop. I think the question for a lot of people is kind of like, quite when will it do, and how much will it drop by. So one thing, actually, I want to rewind here a few minutes. You talk about doing a HELOCs, and this is always a big question I have for for uh, lenders here. A lot of people do primary residence HELOCs. Okay, not many lenders do investment HELOCs. Correct. Do you do investment HELOCs? So the 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 way that that's happening right now, DSCR. So that's that's basically your HELOC now. So most HELOC banks will not do a rental property. Yes, they're out immediately. Uh, even second home, they're only going to do primary residence. Um, so if you are looking to, let's say that you are, uh, in a space where you, you've got a primary residence and maybe you have a rental property and you want to keep expanding on the rental properties, but you're not like young Joey who could just move and do all this like nomad stuff, right? No, you're, you're middle-aged Chris Lopez now. Exactly. You got, you know, 19 children at the house. We're not moving. We love our house. Okay. So where you can get money out of a rental property is with that product. Yeah. And so and you have one of those? With... We do. Okay. Absolutely. And what's what's whenever you hear DSCR, the, the number one thing you need to think about is obviously we're not an agency anymore. We're not in Fannie Freddie. We're not in FHA. We're not in USDA. We're not in VA, any of that. This is a non-QM product. And with this product, you don't even need pay stubs and W-2s and the normal kind of stuff. They will actually underwrite your deal without anything except for bank statements just proving what you make in rent. So let's say you own a rental property free and clear or you own it with very little debt Mm -hmm. and you want to pull cash out. They will literally just go to you and be like, what do you get for rent on this? Oh, okay. Well, it's a a duplex. I'm renting out both sides and I'm getting $5,000 a month. Yep. And I only owe, let's say, $280 on it. 
which is a $2,000 mortgage payment. Okay. They will just say, okay, you have bad credit. I don't care. You, you, you don't even have a job right now. I don't care. It doesn't matter. We're going to lend you as much cash where it's still a $5,000 cash flow. We will lend you whatever creates a $5,000 yeah. mortgage payment against your $5,000 rent. Now, if you actually can qualify, right? If you actually do have a good debt to income and credit score and all that, you can just get better rates in the process. But you can also get cash out of these with no good credit score, no good job, nothing, and just prove I really do make $5,000 a month. Great. Wow. That's a great product because, I mean, that's been one of the things and we've, we've done with a lot of our products of our clients is, hey, how do you tap in all this equity you have? Yeah. Very easy once it's a primary residence. Yeah. A lot of people will you know, give you actually great rates and, and uh, a lot of money that way. The investments are hard because I've only known a handful of bank lenders with a with a decent product. I'm adding you to this, man. This is really yeah. this is really cool. And it's so way better than hard money debt. You can oh get, yeah, you can be in the sevens, eights, and nines with 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 DSCR versus calling your local buddy who does hard money, and they're like, yeah, it's fourteen percent, three points, and I get to pound you in the stomach. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, so this is a great news here. So, okay, so you got to have investment HELOCs now. You can do it on the debt service coverage ratio. And if the person has better credit, better DTI, that can factor in there and hopefully even get a little bit of better rates or more money out of there. So uh, something else I want to talk about, because this is uh, you know something I have not fully dug in the details on, but we're in the, we're in the headlines right now, probably for the last week or two as the recording is, I think the official name is the loan level pricing adjustment you said yeah. and that's this recent adjustment where um it's affecting high income borrowers low income borrowers and i don't know all the details of it but can you enlighten us and give us a, a reality check on here yeah so let's learn a little bit here because um, all i see is headlines so far yeah and 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 that's what you see a lot and this thing got political um but yeah llpa stands for loan level pricing adjustments and so essentially when you come in to any pricing scenario, you're going to throw the criteria uh, into basically a pricing template and then out comes your pricing. And uh, I would say for all of lending, I mean, you could probably go all the way back to 1933, the higher the credit score, the better rate and closing costs that you got. It was a pretty simple formula. What they're trying to do with this loan level pricing adjustments, and obviously you can see why it got political is that they're basically trying to almost penalize the people that have the higher credit scores. They will actually pay more and they will not get a better deal. And because of that, that money will end up going into servicing debt for more like the 640 FICO scores and up, 640 middle scores and up. So that's you know, either good news or bad news. Obviously, it's it's one of those things that you can see how that gets political. Anytime that we have um, uh, the perception that money is coming from people with money or more responsibility mm -hmm. or whatever, and it's going to people that don't have as much money and they have less responsibility on what they've done with their body of work of paying bills, um, you're going to have a lot of people that cry foul. Um, I'm probably one of those two on the side. But also on the side is the good news of this, which is just very simple. More people are going to be able to get conforming loans. This this loan level pricing adjustment that came in only relates to conventional financing. Okay, that's it. That's, that's the only loan that this is dealing with. 
And so what is not FHA, not, not FHA, VA. not VA, not USDA, not any of the non-QM stuff that we're talking about. None of that matters. So I, I, as a lender, as somebody who puts food into my child's mouth because I do loans, this is not that bad of news. It just means more people are going to be able to go conforming and have a better choice. They're going to be able to size up their FHA, um, I would say, you know, um, estimate versus their now their Fannie Mae or their Freddie Mac estimate, and there might actually be a choice. Whereas before all this, you definitely want FHA. If you were a six ninety nine or lower, FHA was the superior monthly payment by far. So, you know, all the <laughs> the details and you know political stuff people can talk about on here. If someone's in the you know higher credit score, you know seven forty plus, right. um, you know from like you know day before to the day after this rule went into effect, how much of a difference in monthly payment, like dollar wise, percent wise, are we talking like significant? Nothing. Or just like, it, honestly, it's not worth it's worrying not, about. Uh, it's completely insignificant. Okay. You know, completely insignificant. And I mean, rates are going down. They're they're plummeting today, um, doing very well today. So it, it's, it's not something that you're really going to notice um, unless it was like, I think May 1st is when it kicks in. Is that right? Yeah. The, o- the only way that you would notice it is if you were basically getting estimates from your lender pre-May 1st with your 760 FICO and your little halo around your head uh, for all that you've done in the last three years. And then all of a sudden you call back on May 2nd and that same person prices you and you're like, wow, that got a lot worse. Those are the people that feel it. Okay. The people that called after May 2nd and didn't know before that aren't going to know anything. They're going to be like, this is the quote I got. Now I'm going to go see if anybody else has a better quote and they don't. And there you go. So overall, from a macro, not going to make a big difference in monthly payments to the high credit people. It's going to open up more lending and better lending to more of the population. Is Correct. That, uh, That's level? it. Okay. At the end of the day, there's going to be more people that will qualify for conforming loans. That's my take from it. Cool. All right. Well, Joe, this has been a very enjoyable podcast. It's been been fun talking to you, especially in a lot of these current events, because it's always fun talking about what's happening and the opportunities and changes we see out here in the higher interest rate environment. So if people get a hold of you, what's the best way? I would say just just call me or shoot me an email. Um, but I, I love phone calls. I'm, I'm basically old school now. I'm 46. So I like phone calls. I like face-to-face meetings, Zoom meetings, that sort of thing. And uh, I can give you my cell phone to give to everybody. Um, and we'll do that. I can give you my email. All Perfect. That. And we'll put all it's that easy. in the show notes. And of course, if you guys yeah. ever have uh need to reach Joe, another guest, email me, email the team. We're always happy to uh, make sure you're connected, especially as emails and phone numbers uh, sometimes change. Joe, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate yeah. you taking time to come out here and uh, talk with us. It's been fun. And we're out there listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, reach out to us, post in the comments. If you need help on finding a right loan, finding a property, reach out to us. We would love to help you out. Oh, 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 o